listening to Connection Church's podcast. All right. Good morning. How are we? Awesome. Good morning. How are we? There we go. George Southern won yesterday. Now, come on, give me a little bit. I know, know we hadn't won in a while and we were doubting that God was on our side still, but he's back and God's back. I'm just completely joking. Anyway, um, welcome. My name is Billy Shiver. If you don't know me, uh, I'm the pastor over at our Vidalia campus, and so I'm so honored and privileged to be here today with you all. Um, so it, it's been awesome. Just a couple of updates, little things to celebrate uh, for you guys. Uh, um, man, God is doing some incredible things, not only at this campus, but in our other campuses as well, and just in our church in general. And so it's been so incredible to watch um, the culture that was started here um, by Brandon eight years ago move into communities and watch God just completely transformed people's heart through it. And so I want to say thank you. And I just want to celebrate the fact, man, that we literally two years ago today, my wife and I moved, not today, but two years ago, uh, my wife and I moved over to Vidalia to start Connection Church um, over there with a group of people. Um, And we started with uh, 16 people in a living room as a connect group. And uh, this past month, we've averaged over 300 and seen 395 people there. So just, I mean... And, and God's just taking people and transforming lives, and it's absolutely incredible to see. And uh, man, and, and not only at our campus, but overall, just to watch God um, continue to move in Statesboro and in Millen and in Dublin to soon to come, and also in Vidalia is just absolutely um, incredible. I wish some of you guys could have seen it. I know y'all have come in kind of on the process, but you know, when Brandon started eight years ago, uh, he started with about six people in a cabin, and to see what God can do. Um, is just absolutely incredible. They say when you're in the middle of a move of God, a lot of times you take it for granted. And that's something we never want to happen at our church is to take for granted what God's done. And so to start a church at eight and to see God eight years later move it to almost 2,000 people every weekend is absolutely incredible and it can only be a move of God. And so just such an incredible thing. Another thing that's going on in Vidalia is my wife and I um, are having a baby. Um, So... Uh, which makes me the least prepared person to preach this message on family today. So, um, but hey, I've been thinking about it and I've been taking notes and looking and watching and Brandon has truly taught me a lot uh, when it comes to that because he has some, some great kids um, that are very entertaining. So, um, and then the last thing I want to celebrate is just, you know, with all the growth uh, that's happening at our church, to see 2,000 people every weekend come in, um, it, it really makes... Um, feeling small and feeling like you matter, a a hard thing to do. And I do just want to encourage you guys that it is great that you come to a Sunday service and it's great that you're in here and you get to hear a a message and and worship's absolutely awesome. But um, I believe the centerpiece of our church is connect groups. And I believe everybody on staff would agree with it. And so how many people in here are a part of a connect group? Um, Awesome. So there's a ton of space for people to, to join in connect groups. And I say that to say a connect group is what changed my life. And I truly believe for us to continue to grow in the way that God's been blessing us and to continue to grow in health, um, man, connect groups are a vital piece in that. And so if you um, are not a part of a connect group, I just challenge you, man, make that your next step. And I've been praying all week that God would in this time reveal next steps to people um, all throughout this auditorium. And maybe for some of you guys, you've been in a connect group. I believe uh, a firm part um, uh, of, of us continuing to grow in health uh, is people stepping up. And so just like we plant churches, 
uh, it's, it's kind of a, a cool strategy. We actually stole it straight from the book of Acts. And so um, when you think about it, uh, I want you guys, the same way we planted, we started here, we planted in Vidalia, we planted in Dublin, we planted in Millen. That's the exact same thing we want for connect groups. And so we're in this society that's moving towards secularism. And, and what I mean by that is uh, ch- church is kind of not going to be as common as it used to be. Um, as we continue to move forward, especially if you think 20, 25 years out. And so what that means is that um, it's no longer going to be as effective to get people in the church building, if that makes sense. And so what that means is healthy churches are going to have to go out and get people. And so the way we can do that is through connect groups. And so for some of you guys, maybe your next step is for God um, to plant you out as a connect group leader. We, We talk about multiplication all the time at this church. And I just want you to know that, man, that's our heart for you. That's our heart. If we got 2,000 people in this, our vision is to have 80% of people in connect groups. So think about it. 80% of 2,000 is what? 1,600. So in order to have 10 people in small groups, that means we got to have how many leaders? 160. And so, man, I firmly believe that today, man, some of you guys' next step is to step up and be a part of what God's doing at this church uh, through connect groups. And so that's my tidbit. That's not what I came to talk about. But man, I really, really want you guys to experience that because it's been such an impact on my life. So do not miss that opportunity today. And so today what I'm here to talk about is we're continuing on in this series called As One. Um, and As One has been a foundational series. It's been absolutely awesome uh, over in Vidalia. I hope it's been great. Uh, I know it's been great over here with you guys too, but we've been talking about manhood, womanhood, and today we're going to talk about the family. And there's nothing more needed in our culture, in our society today than, than men and women and families that are centered on Jesus, because that's the very way that God wants to show himself uh, to the world is through the way that we carry ourselves as men, through the way we live our lives as women, and through the way our family is centered on Christ. So if you got your Bible, I want you to open up to the book of Joshua. So Joshua in the Old Testament. And we'll be in chapter 24, actually the last chapter of Joshua. So as you turn there, uh, I will pray for us. How about that? All right, so pray with me. Father, uh, God, we're just so thankful to be in your presence this morning. God, um, God, we just surrender our hearts to you this morning. God, we ask that you would speak to us. God, I know there's so many different types of people in this room right now. Uh, God, there's people who um, are on the fence. God, there's people who um, are walking through a rough time right now. God, there's people who, um, God, are are doing well right now. And and God, I don't know who those people are. They don't know me, but God, you do. You know where each one of them are. You know the circumstances that they're in. You know what's on their heart. And so, God, my prayer all week, uh, I just repeat that, God, that you would speak to us. God, that you would illuminate things in us that maybe we don't even know are there. And God, that you would challenge us as men as women, and God, you would challenge us as a family, Lord, to to draw a line in the sand, to serve you with everything we have, to center our lives on you in every area of our life. And God, whatever that involves, Lord, I pray that you would give us the courage and boldness to step. And God, I just pray that you would send the power of your Holy Spirit to speak these words into us this morning. God, we just want to know you. We want to see you. We want to be obedient to what you're calling us to do. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I want to start off with a question, and that question is this. So what is your perception of a godly family? So when you think about that, what is your perception of a godly family? What is a godly family to you? What does it look like to have a godly family? And I realize when I ask that question, I'm talking to 
a large group of people. And so for most of us, that may be different. If I asked each of you to write down what is a godly family, uh, the, the definition that you would give me would probably be different in a ton of ways. And so some of us, uh, maybe that opinion has been shaped uh, by a movie or something, right? So how many of you guys grew up in the seventh heaven era? Have anybody ever, uh, golly, we are seventh heaven, anybody? I mean, y'all give me an honest assessment here, anybody? All right, a couple, couple. All right, so people do not know what seventh heaven is. Okay, awesome. Well, maybe, uh, what about Medea? Anybody heard of Medea? Uh, there we go. All right, we got some Medea folks in here. Um, or maybe it can be a ton of things. Maybe Duck Dynasty, anybody? Anybody? I got my duck boots on in honor of duck. Di- no, I'm just kidding. These, these are the most comfortable shoes I got. Um, anyway, and so most of us have largely been shaped by things around us, right? And so what we see on the TV or what we see uh, on, on TV shows or movies, it, they can influence us. And what they do, I, I, I talk about this a lot with uh, people in premarital counseling before they get married is I ask them, who has the most influence on your life? Who has had, who has had the most influence on your life when it comes to shaping your, your, your view of marriage and what it is. And the three things that they give me back is, is a lot of times TV. And what TV does is it paints this picture. And I'll tell you about Seventh Heaven. Y'all really killed my example with that. So um, Seventh Heaven, is, is it was this TV show where the guy was a preacher, the father, and he had all these kids and they had a wife and everything was pretty much just perfect. I mean, there were some things that happened, but it was like every night they pray together, every morning they wake up, read the Bible, um, everything. There's always a word from God to teach the kids. There's no really like, hey, you know, how many of you guys have just snapped on it? Let's just be honest. This is church. We can be honest. Um, and, and kind of the, the, the reason I'm doing this is because I want us all to be on the same playing field. Because when it comes to a family, um, families are messy. And, and we're imperfect people trying to have families. You get that, right? That's why we need Jesus so much. And so we can be honest in here. You know what I mean? So uh, these pictures that we see on TV or let's say maybe another thing that would influence you would be when you walk into church, um, you, you look and, and so you see a, a, a family. Maybe they come in, everybody's smiling, everybody's happy, your kid's going nuts, um, and they're holding hands, and it's like, hey, do you want to go to Connection Kids? And they're like, I've been waiting all week to go to Connection Kids. And they walk into Connection Kids, everything's great. You literally got yours by the leg, holding him up, and like... <laughs> throw him into the connection kids room, you know? So, but what you do is you start to look at those families and you say, man, like whatever they're doing is working. And part of that's good. But also what happens is what we do is we base what a godly family is off of people that we see externally at church. And so I promise you, if you actually went home with that family and went into their home and saw some of the stuff that was going on in their home, you would probably think, oh, they're more like me. And so it's just how it is. We're imperfect people who all have issues, man. And it's a hard thing to do to raise a family in the society that we live in today. But here's the thing. And maybe some of you come from this point of view. Maybe you've had somebody in your life who is kind of a real life example of this. Maybe it was your parents or maybe it was a couple that really invested in you. Maybe a friend that you had in high school or college where you would go to their house and you'd see um, a godly example of what a family is. And that's how God intended it, but that all didn't happen for us. Some of us come from families where it's like, the last thing we wanna do is to go home for the holidays. And so um, we got crazy cousin Eddie, we got crazy brother who's just mad at the world. We got sister who just don't believe in God because she doesn't wanna do anything that the Lord says. So we got all these different dynamics and we kind of walk in and it's like a time bomb and you light the fire and then it's kind of like, you're going to take your stuff out of the way. And so different people have different families. And so we're coming into this idea of a godly family from all 
different directions. And some of you guys are even in college right now. And, and you're thinking, man, we're preaching on family. I'm a college student. Like, what does this have to do with me? And here's what I'd say. It has a lot to do with you because most of you guys are going to go to college. You're probably going to find a, a girlfriend or a boyfriend in college. You're probably going to go and get a job. You're probably going to get married. And then what happens is you're going to have a family one day. And, and here's the thing. You can prepare for that now. And you can begin to look forward to what God is going to do. And so here's what I want us to do. Just, and I've used this example before, but how many of you guys have seen Men in Black, where basically he holds up that thing and boom, flashes it, and everybody forgets everything they've known. And so not that everything you know is bad, but here's the thing. I want us today to look at the Bible and look at the Bible and say, God, what does it mean to have a godly family? What does it mean to pursue a godly family? What does it mean to prepare myself to be a godly husband, a godly father uh, one day? What does that look like? And so to do that, I want us to look at Joshua chapter 24, and we're going to be in verses 14 and 15. In order to understand it, let me kind of set um, the, the context of the scripture really quick. So Joshua is an incredible book, one of my favorite books. I actually wanted to name my son Joshua, but my wife didn't. So, you know, pick your battles. But anyway, we named him after me. So, I mean, what, what else could you ask for, right? Um, so anyway, so Joshua is this, this book of, man, this mighty warrior named Joshua. It's actually a foreshadowing of who Jesus would be. And in the book of Joshua, uh, Joshua takes the Israelites and leads them into the promised land. And the way he gets to the promised land is he has to destroy tons of tribes. So he's fighting battles and battles and battles and battles and battles. And finally, he gets to the promised land, the place where God wants him to be, the land of milk and honey. And so throughout this book, it, God makes it very clear that it's not Joshua's talent that leads him to this place. He makes it very clear that it's the Lord that's fighting with Joshua, which has enabled so much success when it comes. And so in Joshua 24, it brings us to the end of Joshua's life. And so Joshua comes to this end. And what happened is once they got to the promised land, uh, Joshua divided Israel into 12 tribes, right? Anybody heard of that? Y'all probably don't care. So the 12 tribes, uh, and here's the way I want you to think about it. These 12 tribes are like 12 families that were given like a house to go live in. They were actually uh, land in that time. But basically, he, he, he calls for this family meeting where he calls the 12 leaders of these tribes together. And Joshua is on his deathbed. And Joshua says these final words when it comes to the end of Joshua. It says this, Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worshipped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. I want you to underline that. Choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your ancestors, uh, the go gods that your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. Listen to what Joshua says. But as for me, and my household, you've probably seen this at Target before, uh, or Hobby Lobby, <laughs> me and my household, we will serve the Lord. And so let me tell you a little bit about it. So what would happen is, is they would go through and fight these battles and take over these different lands and properties and areas. Uh, these people would all be worshiping different gods. And so as they fought the battle and brought in uh, people from the specific uh, areas, 
uh, these different influences would come into the Israelites. And so what had happened over time is some of these influences had, had really influenced, that's a lot of times using the word influence, but you see what I'm saying, influenced uh, the people of Israel. And so you had a ton of, and here's how I want you to think about it. So every person in your life pretty much has influence with you. If, if, if you have close friends or you have parents or you have all these things and being around them in some way or another influences you. And what happens is, is that you don't have, if you do not have a vision for your life, if you do not have a, a purpose, if you do not know who you want to become or where you're going, then the world will decide that for you. Does that make sense? That's really good. Y'all missed that. So if you do not have a vision for your life, if you do not know or have a direction for who you want to become, if you posture yourself in this world as a, almost like a reactionary type posture where I just react to what happens, if you do not take initiative and look and say, God, I want to pursue you, I want to become who you want me to become, the world will do that for you. And largely that's where we are as a, as a culture today. And so what happens is instead of people standing up and saying, man, God, I want to draw a line in the sand and just like um, Joshua said, as for me and my house, I will serve the Lord. Choose to this day whom you will serve. Instead of saying, I'm going to serve God because I believe the Bible and I believe what Christ has done for me and I believe that he created me and knows what's best for me and that I want to pursue him because he's going to lead me to where I want to go. What happens is we just kind of take this and it's like, yeah, I'm a Christian. I got no problem with that. I'll come to church. That's fine. My mom taught me that. That's good. Um, but I just kind of want to do what I want to do. And the problem with that is that every time we do that, we take this and the influence that it has on us and we put it down and we invite people into our life that have influence. And so what largely happens, college students, is when we're in high school, we're kind of in a guarded environment a little bit. And so maybe our parents can have more control over us, that type of thing. They surround us with people that they want to surround us with. That's a great parenting move. Okay, fast forward four years, we come off to college and we get to pick who we're gonna hang out with. And what happens is our values and our culture starts to be shaped by those things. And so because we don't have an identity, we don't know who we are, we don't know who we want to become, people around us start to throw those things into our eyes and we start to say, man, he looks cool, I'll be what he is. Or she looks cool, man, that's awesome, let's do this, let's do that. And what happens is we throw this down and say, God, I don't want to be who you want me to be. I'm not drawing a line in the sand and saying, as for me and my house, I want to be this. I'll just kind of react and take it as it comes. And here's what I tell you. That is the most dangerous thing you can do as a person. The absolute most dangerous thing you can do. Because God's written a book and he's created you. And he's designed you for a specific purpose. And that specific purpose is to know him and to help others know him. And you will not find purpose. You will not be who God's called you to be apart from connecting with that purpose. And I'm telling you, people all around you are searching for that right now. They're searching for it. And maybe some of them say they have tried this because they've been to church, but that's not trying Jesus. But I'm telling you, when you connect to a relationship with God, when you figure out that he created you, he knows what's best for you. He has a design for your life. It's the greatest thing you could possibly ever be. And so today, my challenge for you is every person in this room, I feel like God's word for you is today he wants you to make, you, make a choice. He wants to make a choice whom you're gonna serve. Are you gonna serve God and build your life on the foundation of Christ? 
Or are you just going to continue to allow other things to shape you? Because literally that was Joshua's encouragement. And I'm not here to like uh, condemn you or tell you exactly what you need to do. What I'm telling you is my heart's the same as Joshua's and my heart's the same way as God is. And I just want to encourage you, man, you, you want to find what your purpose is in life. You want to find meaning. You want to live a flourishing life that actually means something for eternity. Look to Jesus, build your life on what he wants you to be. And so here's the thing. I got a couple preliminary questions and then I want to introduce something to you. So my preliminary questions are this as a family, what or who are you serving right now? You can write that down if you want to. As a family, or you can just think about it. Let's just think. As a family, what are you serving right now? When Joshua says serve, it's a little bit deeper than maybe what you're thinking when he says serve. It's not just, hey, are you a blue connector or an orange connector? Or, hey, do you serve at soup kitchen or you do this? He's saying, what is the priority of your life? What are you building your life upon? Who are you serving? And so for some of us in this room, when we look, and some of us say, Billy, well, yeah, that's great. I was saved when I was nine. I'm, I'm serving God. That's what I do. Um, but here's the thing. I want you to look past that, and I want you to look to your actions, and I want you to ask yourself this question. When I look at my time, when I look at my energy and what I put energy towards, and when I look at my money, my resources, and what I spend the majority of my money on, what is it that I'm truly serving? The next preliminary question I have for you is this. Do you have a vision for your life if you're not a family, but for a family, do you have a vision for your family? Do you have a vision? Do you know who you want to become? Because that's crucial. We can't just sit back in a reactionary and you, you start to figure this out is that God's got this thing rigged. I don't know if y'all figured that out yet, but he's got it rigged from the standpoint of when, when you become a Christian, Basically, everything else, the trajectory of your life falls into the right place because you are following Jesus, if that makes sense. And what happens is when we don't have a, a foundation that we stand on, the Bible says we're like a wave that's basically tossed to and fro that really we don't have anything to stand on. So it's like, boom, we go here, boom, we go here. And it's like, oh man, what's going on? When God's just saying, if you will make a decision, if you will have a vision for who you want to be, a vision for your family, then God can set you on a strong foundation. So anyway, I hope that made my point. My point is I want you today to get to a point where you'd say, man, today I want to draw a line in the sand. For you, for you guys, you, you understand the importance of parenting. I don't have to talk to you about that, much less I don't know that much about it yet. Um, but I've seen a lot of great people do it, and I know what the Bible says. And so that's where I'm kind of coming from today. And so anyway... Here's what I want to do. So the easy part is to say, man, I want to draw a line in the sand. Billy, you got me. I see that it's very important. I'm kind of living there. Today's the day I want to draw a line in the sand. Well, the rest of the message I want to talk about, where, where do we go from there? Because really drawing a line in the sand is an easy part. It's the how do we walk it out after that? So think about it like this. The vision of our life is the first thing we got to come up with. Do I want to be who God's called me to be? That's the number one thing you got to figure out. Do you count the cost? Do I want to be who God wants me to be? From that, once we figure that out, we build our priorities. That makes sense? So our priorities come from who we want to be, and then our priorities determine what we do. That makes sense? That's as simple as you could possibly think about it. All right, I'm Nick Saban. I'm not Nick Saban, but think about it like this. I'm a football coach. That was for Chase, by the way. Um, Nick Saban walks in and... Think about it. If he comes into the Alabama program in 2007 when he got there and he says this, we're going to win a national championship. 
I'll see you guys Saturday versus Auburn. It's not going to work. But if he walks into Alabama, which he did, 2007, says we're going to win a national championship, here's the things we're going to prioritize. Those priorities are going to determine what we do on a daily basis. That makes sense? Y'all following? I need some feedback. Man, y'all are quiet right now. Does that make sense? Everybody with me? So it's super simple. The vision for your life determines what you will prioritize, and what you prioritize determines what you do. And so what I don't want to do today is sit here and focus on, all right, here's exactly what you need to do. What I want to focus on are your priorities. Where are your priorities? We've already decided. We're drawing a line in the sand. God, I want to be the family, the godly family that you've called me to be. So what are the priorities of a godly family? That is a great question, and I'm glad you guys asked. So here's the thing. I got a slide for you. So the priorities of a godly family, the order matters, just four of them, right? These four things down. The first one is your relationship with God. That's number one. It's got to be there. If you want to be a godly family, if you want to pursue to become who God's called you to be and what he's called you to do, your relationship with God as a husband, as a dad, as a person, as a college student, it has to be there. It has to be the top of your priority list because everything else is built off of that. The second thing is uh, a spouse or a husband or a wife. Think about it like that. That's your second priority, even before kids. And so what tends to happen a lot of times is we shift these four things around. But here's the thing. If we want to be who God's called us to be, we have to, to, by his design and in his order in Genesis, he designs us to be certain things in a certain order. It doesn't mean you don't go through seasons of switching them up, but it means that your four priorities are, are pretty much set and it looks different for everybody. So the first one, relationship with God. The second one is a husband or a wife. The third one is a mother or a father. And the fourth one is your occupation. And so I really want you to think about those things. You can actually leave that slide up for a while. So um, I'm going to basically preach this the rest of the time. So if you don't get anything else, let's say those again. Number one is what? The relationship with God. Number two? Number three? Number four? All right. Easy to say, hard to live, right? So here we go. All right. So this is what I want to talk about. So what does it look like to prioritize your relationship with God? What does that look like? Okay. Let me tell you what it doesn't look like. It does not look like, hey, we go to church on Sunday and that's good enough. Actually, that's a part of it. But here's the thing. When we prioritize our relationship with God, basically means that we are walking intimately with Jesus every day. It is the foundation of our life. It means that, man, everything we do is determined by what God wants us to do. It basically means, and I don't want it to sound unattainable. It just means that you walk with Jesus every day. When you wake up in the morning, you say, God, you are first in my life. I want to spend time with you. I want to know what you want me to do, right? A ton of things come into this. Let me ask you a few questions. What does this look like? What does your quiet time with God look like? Is there a time of day where you spend time with Jesus? I believe this with all my heart because I know myself. I'm far more messed up than I could ever think. I don't even know half of the things in my heart and my mind, but I know that sin in me is a big deal. And because I know that, I know how much I need Jesus every day. And I think the reason that I don't spend time with God when I don't is because I don't feel like I need him. And that's pride on my part. And some of you guys are in the same spot is that you think, man, it's fine. I'll just come to church, hear Billy's sermon or Brandon's sermon. That's fine. That'll work out. I'll kind of build my life. I've learned a lot and all these things. Here's the thing. The Bible says things like this. Seek first the kingdom of God and what? And the rest will be added to you. What does that mean? That means when you focus on Jesus, 
Everything else will take care of itself. Jesus tells this parable about worry and anxiety. And this person is going nuts about tomorrow and all these different things. Jesus said, listen, if you'll just focus on the kingdom of God, the rest will take care of itself. He says things like this. If anyone hears these words of mine and builds their life on them, they will be like a a house on a rock. That when the winds come and the floods come and the tornadoes and everything else of life come, it will not be shaken because it's built on a rock. All right, that's a great verse. It sounds phenomenal, but the cause and effect is if I build my life on the words of God. All right, what about this one? John 15, five, apart from me, you can do nothing. All right, let's think about that. That means that apart from Jesus and being connected to our relationship with Jesus, literally we can do nothing. You cannot become who God wants you to become. You cannot be who God wants you to be. You cannot do what God wants you to do apart from connecting to a relationship with God, which is also a phenomenal mission statement for church, which is why Connection Church exists to connect people to a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. Everything we do is about that because here's the thing we figured out is that, man, if we can take care of a relationship with God, if we can point people to how important a relationship with Jesus is, if we can supplement and assist and teach on a relationship with God, pretty much everything else will take care of itself. It doesn't mean you don't need teaching and people to look to, but man, it it, literally, God has it rigged. And so here's the thing. If you don't leave with anything else today, here's what I tell you. You want to know who you're supposed to be. You want to know how to do what God calls you to do in this life. Connect to your relationship with him. Connect to a growing relationship with him. Well, you'd ask, well, Billy, what does it mean to be in a growing relationship with Christ? That's also another reason that we have four cultures of a growing Christian at our church. Anybody know them? Evangelism, serving, generosity, community. All right, let's say y'all are supposed to know this stuff. So let's see. Uh, The four cultures of a growing church, this happens in heart and soul, by the way. So, um, The four cultures of a growing Christian in your life are evangelism, serving, generosity, and community. So if I want to be in a growing relationship with Christ, build a strong foundation where I can be who God's called me to be, then I need to pursue God and I need to focus on those four areas of my life. Because here's the thing, we cannot love Jesus and not be generous with people and want to help people and want to pour our lives out for the gospel. We cannot love Jesus and not serve others. We cannot love Jesus and not want to walk with other believers who are going to encourage us in our relationship with God. That's where a connect group comes in. Maybe some of you guys are where I was, where you want to pursue God. You just don't know how to do that. Well, for me, it took me getting into a connect group and seeing people who actually got it and knew what a relationship with God is. Because here's the thing. I can sit up here and teach you all day. Brandon can sit up here and teach you all day. Whoever's up here can teach you all day. But at the end of the day, seeing it lived out is going to be what impacts. That's why it's so vital that you get into a connect group and evangelism. You cannot love Jesus and not want to see other people connected to him. Build your life on your relationship with God. Seek first the kingdom of God. And if you do that, a godly family will take care of itself. A godly husband, a godly wife will take care of itself. Your occupation will be in the right priority that you want it to be. That's number one. Number two is this. Marriage. Let's see if I can get my slide. So a spouse, right? So think about it like this. The second priority of a godly family, the second priority of a godly man or a godly woman is this a spouse, right? So our 
wise spouse above kids. Because what tends to happen is that when a family has kids, kids move straight to the priority list, right? So am I tracking with anybody right here? Specifically for women, kids usually shift to the top. And so specifically for men, occupation shifts to the top because men are most, uh, I'm not saying all men, I'm putting y'all into a category, but majority from my marital counseling is what happens is those things are, 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 are taking the place. But here's the thing, and I just want to focus on the kids part. Why is it important for your marriage to be healthy and for you to prioritize your marriage over your kids? Great question. Glad you asked. So here's the reason is because the number one thing that's going to influence your kids is your marriage. And so the way that you treat one another, the fact that your marriage actually has a purpose, the fact that your marriage is not about you and satisfying each other, but your marriage is about loving each other in such a way that shows the love of Jesus. Because here's the thing, it's the greatest thing I've ever figured out in marriage. I've been married for four years and I'm so glad Brandon taught me this before I got married, is marriage is not about me. It's not about Kate. It's, it's about us loving each other in such a way and serving each other in such a way that other people see Jesus. I mean, I, you just feel the weight lift off your back with that. So it's, a godly marriage is not about you. So here's the thing, college student, you're looking for a spouse right now. Most people are on the prowl, right? How many single folks do I got in here? All right, y'all look around. We may have some contacts in here. Let's see. <laughs> Any phone numbers? No, I'm just kidding. Um, so here's the thing. When you, when you think about that, are you looking for that person for this purpose? Because here's the thing. I know, man, you may see somebody and he may be cool and he may dress cool and wear khakis with like nice hunting shirts and, and duck boots and, and drive a big truck. And you're like, man, that dude's cool. But here's the thing, when you marry that person, all those looks and all those things, they're gonna go away, they're gonna die and you're actually gonna have to live with that person. <laughs> like live, like be friends with that person. So that cocky, arrogant guy that you think so cool, when you actually live with them, they're not that cool. And it leads to major problems. That's why I said, you gotta decide who you want to be. Do you wanna have a godly family one day? Do you wanna have a marriage that reflects Christ? If you do, then you need to focus on who you pick on that. Does that make sense? And all my Christian guys said, amen. There we go. So that's what you gotta do. And so that's the, that's the priority. And here's the thing, the best thing for your kids is for them to see that. Because guess what? The most accurate picture of Jesus to your kids is gonna be your marriage. Does that make sense? That's how God has it rigged. As he says, I mean, it's, it's beautiful because he puts you together. You connect to a relationship with God. The next focus he puts in your life is a marriage because here's the thing. There's nothing that's going to grow you and make you look more like Jesus than trying to love somebody who is completely different than you, right? And you'll figure that out one day once you get married or some of you guys have been married twice as four or five times as long as I have. It is a hard thing. It takes work. So here's the question. How do you prioritize your marriage? How do you do that? It takes work. You have to prioritize each other. So many couples, when I sit down with them for marriage counseling, literally their issues start with the fact that they're really not even friends anymore. I mean, what happens is kids come in the picture and life gets so busy that literally they work opposite so that they can, each one of them can be with the kids. And so this person goes this way, this person goes this way. And it sounds all fine and dandy because you, you make more money. But here's the thing. If your kids never see you together and see you love and serve each other in a way that reflects Christ, they're actually missing a picture of Jesus and you're basically 
I mean, missing the purpose for what God wants in your marriage. And I know that's hard to hear for some of us, but I'm telling you, when's the last time you've taken your wife on a date? You know, I mean, think about it. There's people in here literally today that have not been on a date as a married couple with kids in five years, six years. I mean, a date where it's just you and her. And, and then you wonder why, man, there's really just no intimacy in our marriage. We are having problems. We're fighting, um, you know, all these different things. And here's what I'd say. You've got to prioritize it. You've got to work at it. Friendship takes work. You have to talk to each other. You have to communicate. You have to do those things. You have to love and serve each other in a way that reflects Christ. The best thing for your kids, the best thing for you is to do that. Some of us need to move the kids down and move our marriage up. And I'm telling you, that's the way God designed it to be. The third one is our kids. So our kids, what, why is that a big deal? Kids by far are the greatest opportunity to make disciples Ever. That's why God designed it. Be fruitful and multiply is what he said in Genesis. Why? Not just so you could have sex a lot. He said that so that you could create babies and multiply the earth. That's what he wants from you. I've seen this over and over again in Vidalia at our campus there. Um, we have, uh, my mom works at DFAC, so we have a good relationship with DFAC. So anytime they have kids that really are not being taken care of, uh, families in our church are able to connect with them. And it's been great. We got a bunch of teachers and coaches that see these kids and know that their, their parents really aren't taking care of them. And so, um, man, I, we've had a couple of families adopt these kids and I've never seen a greater impact on these kids who literally had nothing, had no influence for Jesus on them. They come into a home that's centered around Christ and literally saved, baptized, and now connected to a growing relationship with Jesus, just like that. I mean, it's absolutely incredible. I mean, it's, it's, it's absolutely great. And here's the thing I tell you, right now you're either influencing your kid in a good way or a bad way. Cause here's a scary, this is a great reality, but it's also a scary reality your kids will become you. That makes sense? And so let me explain this a little bit. So I, somebody got mad at me for saying this one time, but it's just the honest truth. So a lot of times parents will look back and they'll kind of step back and say, man, I just don't know what's wrong with the kids these days. I'm like, that's a great statement. You raised them, right? But it's, here's the, the picture is this. Right? It's your kids, literally the choices that you make today in your family will shape who your kids become tomorrow. Yeah, that's really good. I'll miss that again. So um, the choices that you make today will shape who your kids become tomorrow. And here's the thing, man. We got to know how to invest in our kids. We got to. We got to know how to discipline our kids in a way that disciplines them for who God wants them to be and not just gets on to them and spanks them, right? I'm Firm believer in the old, old school spanking. But here's the thing. We got to spank in such a way that leads kids to become who God wants them to be. And some of us, we have absolutely no clue how to connect with a kid. And I say that because I didn't know. And then I went and served in, in Connection Kids with Olivia. And guess what she taught me how to do? How to talk to a kid on a level where they can understand the gospel. And so y'all get off easy a little bit, but if you were at our campus, if you're a man, you would be serving in kids. And here's what I'd encourage you to do. If you are a man and you've never served in kids, I would challenge you to do that. Not because it's fun, not because it's not going to drive you crazy, but here's the reason. Because I believe there's nothing that shapes you and helps you learn how to disciple children better than serving in kids. It's absolutely, I mean, it may, these kids, I'm telling you, that's, it's, it's just an incredible opportunity. So a couple questions I want to ask you when it comes to this. 
First one is this. Am I modeling a genuine relationship with Jesus for my kids? Am I modeling a genuine relationship with Jesus for my kids? Notice I didn't say perfect. I said a genuine relationship with Jesus. Because if that statement's true, that your kids literally will become you, then here's the thing. You have to teach them what a relationship with God is, which goes back to the priority list. What's at the top? If you don't have a genuine relationship with God, then you can't teach anybody what a relationship with God is about. You have to let your kids in on what a relationship with God is. You have to let them know, hey man, I'm not perfect. Man, I make mistakes too, but here's the thing. I got a God that loves me and he died on a cross for me so that now I can ask for forgiveness, I can repent, and by his grace, I can change and become better. That's what shapes kids. You got to be able to say that. And I know that's very, very hard driving down the road with a chicken nugget hanging out of their mouth and going 90 miles an hour on a 65 speed limit rushing home for so I know that's hard. But here's the thing. We have to focus on who we want them to become when it comes to the decisions that we make. That's just how we have to do it. That's what God wants us to do. Listen to this uh, scripture that God uses. It's my favorite. I'm actually teaching it tonight at, at the uh, baby dedication in Vidalia. It says this, Psalm 127. It says, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. Children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from him. Listen to this, this is my favorite verse. Verse four, like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their opponents in court. Why were you giving kids? What's the purpose of you having a child? It's so that you can raise them up and shoot them out like an arrow for the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the purpose. And here's the, here's the thing. Will more disciples be made because you have kids or not? That's the question you have to answer. If you want to put, like, you got to know what a win is. That's, that's so big in your life. You know what I mean? Like to know what to actually spend all your time doing. That's such a, a vital part. If we don't know what winning is, then we are missing the point. So winning as a believer, God says, is at the end of your life, when you send out your kids, you send them out as a disciple of Jesus that understands who they are. And here's why I say that. Because, and I, I, I literally, I grew up in an incredible home. My parents are awesome. They love me. They've done everything. Uh, they've shaped my life and all those things. But literally, our house was centered on sports growing up. That was all I knew. And so I want you to think about this. That's, that's what I worked for. That's why we made decisions. That's where we spent our money. All these different things. So fast forward to my senior year of high school where, um, man, I, I had this promising football career and all these things. And before my senior year started, I, I blew out one knee. Right? And I was like, man, this is a hiccup, but I can overcome it. I get to the middle of my senior season and I blow out the other knee, career over. So I get to that point where my life had just shattered and I didn't know who I was. I literally did not know who I was. And so parents, here's the thing. Something's going to happen. Your, life's, your kid's life will be shattered at some point because they're going to put their hope in things other than Jesus. But in that moment, are you going to be there? Are, you gonna, are they going to remember? Man, daddy told me my identity is not in sports. My identity is in Christ. It doesn't matter. That's, that's great. Thank you. That is awesome. My identity is not in sports. It's in God. Do you care more about your kids' 
sports and athletics, then you care about his identity being in Christ. We have to make a decision. We have to draw a line in the sand and say, I, I love sports, still love sports. But here's the thing. Do our kids know that their identities in Christ, they're not in sports? The last thing, am I teaching my child the four cultures of a growing relationship with Jesus? Like I said, your kids are going to become you. Your choices today will be who they are tomorrow. All right. So a great church comes up with four cultures that say, you want to know what a growing relationship with Jesus is? You want to teach your kids what a growing relationship with Christ looks like? Are you teaching your kids about evangelism? Are you teaching them that we're on earth for a purpose? And that purpose is to show others the love of God. And, and college students, I don't want you to check out on me. Here's, here's kind of how this plays in. I had 13 kids before I actually am having a kid in February. You know why? Because I chose to spend my life investing in people younger than me and investing in people. When you make disciples, that's what a spiritual child is. And so you are in this right now. Are you teaching people around you what it looks like to be an evangelist? What, are you teaching them how to help people come to a growing relationship with Jesus? Are you teaching them about generosity? Do they see generosity in the way you live your life because you love Jesus and you realize what he's done for you? And so naturally it overflows into you wanting to help people. Do they see a life of service? Can you invite them into your home and see that you serve your roommates? that you serve your wife. Because here's the thing, the thing that transforms people's life more than anything, it's not me up here talking. It's them coming into your life and seeing what you're doing and why you're doing what you're doing. That's what transforms people's life. Community. Do they see the importance of community? Have you invited them to your connect group and said, listen, hey man, I wanna show you some people who are walking with the Lord. Transparency, vulnerability. Do they see that you're not perfect? Most of my turn off towards church when I was growing up was the fact that I thought every person that walked in church was perfect because that's what I heard from the pulpit. And then I found connection. I found Brandon. I found somebody who, who literally would be as honest talking face to face as he would be up here. And here's the thing I'd tell you. Are people learning what a true relationship, what a genuine relationship is with Jesus through you are they learning a, a fake one, a, a, a superficial one that's just all about, I come to church on Sunday, yeah, I'm a Christian, but I go and live like I wanna live. I'm telling you, the implications are huge. They're huge. And I'll, I'll close with this. And, and you gotta see how important a relationship with Jesus is. It starts with that. You wanna draw a line in the sand, I'm telling you. Where you start that process is you ask, where am I at with Jesus today? Because here's the thing. God says, don't, don't focus on a hundred steps down the way. You just got to focus on the first one. And so today, maybe you're in here and, and you are a college student and you're like, Billy, I don't have a family yet, but I have aspirations one day to have a marriage and a family. Um, here's what I tell you. You need to build your life on Jesus. You need to have a genuine relationship with God. It's the only way that you're going to become who God wants you to be and who he's called you and what he's called you to do. Or maybe you're in here and, and you literally have, you, you've you got a family, you got kids, you're, you're walking through this process that's been a difficult and you're trying to learn as you go. And today you need to commit, man, I need to reprioritize some things. Today I need to, I, I just have not been building my life. Heck, I hadn't even had time for my own relationship with God. So for some of us, our next step is just to say, before I do anything in my day, I'm going to God. I'm gonna find a way to connect with God so I can be who he's called me to be. And for some of us, we, we've never had a relationship with God. And that's who I wanna to talk to now 
is if that's you and you've never truly surrendered your life to Christ and you've never um, had a relationship with him, I want to give you that opportunity today. And we do it a little different at Connection. We want you to be bold and, and we want to help you. We want to celebrate with you. We want to pray for you, give you some stuff to, to help you with that. And man, we're going to celebrate like crazy. And so if that's you today and you say, Billy, I, I realize I do not have a relationship with God and today I want one. If that's you, I just want you to slip your hand up in the air and say, Billy, that's me. Awesome. In the back. That's great. Okay, anybody else? I didn't see. That's you. Raise your hand up real high for me. Awesome. And for the rest of us, this is kind of how I want to end today. Is I, I want to end today by praying together as a family. I know we've been kind of going through this series and praying dads for, for or, uh, men for women, women for men. Well, today, uh, maybe you're here and this could be awkward for you if you're not here with your family, but that's okay. Maybe you have a family of friends that you came with. You can kind of take it into that, but mostly for the families. I just want you to grab the hand of, of your wife or your husband, your kids, if they're with you. I just want you to grab their hand and I just want you to spend some time praying together. Maybe today's the day you say, I want to draw a line in the sand and today we are going to reprioritize things. We're going to start pursuing these priorities that are a godly family. And you make that promise to God. No, it doesn't mean you're going to be perfect, but what it means is that you're surrendering to God and repenting and saying, Lord, I need you to help me with this. Not in my strength, but in your strength. So I want you to just take a moment um, to pray over that and I'll come back and close this out. So take a few moments.